we are excited to introduce to you Prophetic Edge, where we are going to be digging into the revelation of God's Word and what it looks like to walk in victory through the Word of God. Whenever God is ready to move in Scripture and bring victory to people, He always brings a fresh edge of revelation. I don't know what's going on in your world, but we do know that God always has the answer you need. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of war, in the midst of nations looking for answers and leaders asking questions, there is a book that has been stable. There is a kingdom that does not fail and there is a word that cannot be divided. God is on our side. God is on the throne and his kingdom is unmovable. He's the winner. <laughs> He's victorious. We have been adopted by somebody who doesn't lose. We've been engrafted into a vine that cannot die. We've been washed in blood that kingdoms have to bow to. We serve a name that every authority on the planet has to bow their knee underneath. Ah, don't get it twisted. We're not looking for an answer. We got an answer. We're not praying for help. We got help. David said, when all the nations rise to war, I will look, mine eyes shall turn to the hills from which cometh all my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker. Don't you forget, he made the nations. He made the earth. He made everything. So when everything is topsy-turvy, the throne is settled in place. I'm so glad to be with you tonight. I'm glad that we are in the house and we've got people of God in this place. And I'm thankful that God is with you right now. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what's been going on, before we jump in tonight, I want you just to do something in your own house. I want you just to put your hands up. Just lift your hands before the Lord and take a good deep breath. Oh. Now just say, Lord, I trust you. You're still in charge and you're taking good care of me. Yes. Now we're going to dig into the word tonight, but some of you, you need to start doing that every day. You need to remind yourself that he's still in charge and he's taking good care of me. You need to take a deep breath before you listen to another bad news report, before you check another email, before you go on to another social media site and let your high blood pressure get higher and you, your cholesterol spin out of control before you reach for something else to drink and something else to eat and just breathe. God's been doing this a long time. He ain't lost yet. So calm your nerves, stir your faith, trust in God. He's got us. Now we started something a few weeks ago that I believe last week blessed you because we continue to share words from the road and we're going to keep doing that. But we started a couple weeks ago talking about the prophetic view of nations. What is God really doing? I believe we're in an hour where we have to make sure we're hearing from the right perspective. Whenever God speaks, he says this something so simple. He says, now, what do you see? Only God speaks, but then ask you what you see. And only God shows you a vision and then says, how do you hear? Yeah. <laughs> because in the kingdom of God, to speak is to see. Right. And to hear is to behold. Mm. Mm. 
You got to get that in your spirit. In the kingdom of God, when God speaks a thing, he asks, what do you see? But when God shows a thing, he says, what do you hear? Oh, oh. some of y'all ain't going to get that for about another seven, eight days. See, God's word is his creative power. So when God speaks a thing, he's painting a picture in your spirit that until you see what he said, you can never possess what he declares. So you've got to see it. Uh, There was an old song years ago. I have to see what he said so that I can see what he said. Okay. Uh, The Clark sisters. Karen Clark, she would always say, until you see it like he said it, you never will see it. We have to reframe our vision by the word of the Lord. Too many people say they believe God, but if you listen to their language, they're telling you completely that they're outside of faith. They doubt God. They don't trust God. They don't believe God. They're wrapped in doubt and soaked in unbelief because their language betrays them. I've learned years ago, I was talking to Bishop Foster this week. I, I love me some Bishop Foster. I know he's watching, but Bishop, we love you. We, we always lifting you up in prayer down there in San Diego. And so, you know, get off that surfboard and come hang out. But <laughs> y'all laugh the laugh of unbelief. I don't understand what's going on. Okay. Uh, now the surfboard might have to be a little bigger, but it's, it's still. And so <laughs> I'm just all right. And so I was talking to him and something I said to him that I want to get into your spirit is very simple. Remember this. You have to choose who to believe. You have to choose who to believe in this hour of mass disinformation, constant miscommunication, lies, innuendo, slander, the painting of wrong pictures. Everybody is telling stories. Everybody's sharing information, but they're all sharing it to their advantage. God speaks truth and only truth because God is the only one in creation who doesn't need you to agree. The devil can't do nothing in your house unless you agree. The enemy can't mess with you for long unless you agree. The doctor can't treat you unless he gets your agreement. A lawyer cannot defend you in court unless they get your agreement. You can't have the house till you write your name on the contract. You can't have the property till you sign for it. Agreement is required for ownership. So God is the only one in all of creation that doesn't need anybody to agree because he is the only one who made all things by the power of his own word. So God is the only one you can trust to tell you truth because he doesn't need to spin a story in order to get your favor. Now, knowing that, then I'm going to ask a couple of questions before we get into the history of nations. Why? Are we still believing people who keep telling us what God said? But of their 93 prophetic utterances, 90 have not come to pass. The other three that did, one was the Lord said tomorrow the sun will rise. Okay, 
That's not a prophecy. That's just going to happen. Now, why am I saying it like that? I was talking to Bishop and he said, you know, you've got to teach more on prophetic and the prophetic and the operation of the prophet. He said, because there's so many out there right now who don't even know what it is and what it's not. When we look at the history of the nations and where the nations are going, we have to understand. I said something and I want to elaborate on this and then we're going to talk about specifics. Right now, Debbie, one of the strangest things that I behold and I, I behold many things, you know, I pay attention. I study. I, I like to study people. I study life. I study history and I study people who speak. I study those who have voiced nations. One of the strangest things I think that's happening right now is we have traded activity for accuracy. See, where it used to be a prophet was a prophet because what he said came to pass. And that's what the Bible says. If they speak these things and they do not come to pass, then they are not a prophet sent by me. So we understood that you could not be hit and miss. You could make mistake, but own the mistake. You could have had a bad day, but say you had a bad day. But to live continually missing, never coming to pass, making up stuff, lying on purpose, getting stuff off Netflix, just saying whatever you said in your head. We've downgraded the true prophetic movement to become vain imaginations. So now whatever I think in my head is equated to prophecy. So now we tell people, just use your imagination. Well, that's now witchcraft. And we tell people that, why don't you just, if you're not hearing anything from God, look at what they're wearing until you get something. Mm. Now, that's called divination. OK, then we go one step further. We begin to tell people, well, if you had a dream, then God was talking to you. So we don't discern the dream. We don't figure out the dream. So we have people who've never told God that he could have their life. Not born again. Ah. And so we say things like, well, even people who aren't born again will prophesy. So we've set the groundwork and the framework for unholy tongues, unsanctified lips, uncontrolled appetites, ruling the airwaves and controlling the future of ministries because we lean into their voices because we have traded accuracy for activity. So because they release a prophetic word every day on Facebook, we make the assumption that they must be hearing God because every morning they say, God said to me. The problem is of the 360 prophecies that you put out last year, only five came to pass. But nobody seems to care that they're being lied to. So now we have to ask the question. Is the church being deceived or do we like a lie? Do we like lies because itching ears have taken over the church? Because I want you to say something that I want to hear, which means I need prophetic voices that can be corrupted. Because prophets never say what you want to hear, 
but they will say what you need to hear. Woo. Woo. I, I, I don't know how you feel in your house. I know some right now going, ouch. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Because one way or the other, we're going to get delivered. I'm determined to help free folk. If I got to make you mad to get you free, I'm going to make you mad. But we're going to get free from this false mess that has encumbered us these last few years. We've been wrapped up in lies, covered in people's mindsets until we have walked away from the power of the Holy Ghost. And now I don't run to get in God's presence. I run to hear another word. I don't run to be transformed. I run to be touched. I don't need another touch. I need the transformation of the Holy Ghost. I don't need to be in another meeting where somebody tells me somebody else had power. Did we discern the spirit of the thing? I have had great opportunity in the last several years to go to a multitude of meetings. I don't visit most of them. Because I asked God a simple question. Is this you? And the Lord will say to me, that ain't me. So what do I do? I keep my happy behind at home. And it keeps my ear from hearing something that I later have to rebuke. And it keeps my body from being in a room that I later have to cast stuff off of me. And it keeps me from being in a room where they're taking pictures so that they can say all these pastors supported our meeting. So if I ain't in the room, you can't lie and say I support. So are we ever going to discern truth from lie? Or are we going to keep running in this same hamster wheel? Woo! I don't know, Patrick. Are they getting it? Are, are they are they hearing it? All right. Because I was running so fast, I didn't even tell you to go ahead and post it on your page. But, you know, if you hadn't posted, hook somebody in. Now, we're talking about the nations. So let's dig into this. See, I said all that for a reason. Let's back up. The reason I'm talking like I'm talking so strong and so deep is because I have continued my study of the history of nations these last couple of weeks. And when nations go to war. When issues cover the nations and the globe in an insidious matter, what do I mean by insidious? When it is a demonic plan to cause there to be the shedding of blood for the purpose of creating division. That's insidious. Now, when it has to do with God's people being under attack, then that is when I call it a God-breathed moment. That's when God says, I'm not going to let you push Israel into the ocean. So I'm going to breathe and make nations rise up. That's when God says, I'm tired of you persecuting Christians in a certain country and I'm going to cause the other nations to run and aid them. That's a God breathed moment. That's when God, according to the Old Testament, he said, I've heard the cries of my people and I will fight from heaven and stir you up against them. That's a God breathed moment. You got to understand that for all of you who don't understand battle and war, there are some wars, some moments in time that blood hitting the ground requires uh, answer from heaven. There are some times when enough children have been killed and enough Christians have been murdered that God himself says, now I've been merciful to you, but that's enough. I'm not going to let you keep killing people and think I don't see this. I'm not going to let you kill children and think I am immoral like you are immoral. Eventually blood requires an answer. If you don't know that you got to read your Bible. 
Blood requires an answer. That's why Jesus had to shed his blood. If Jesus hadn't shed his blood, only his blood was strong enough to make the blood that had been shed go quiet. Otherwise, God would have had to walk through nations and burn them to the ground for what they had done to Israel. Don't get it twisted. Blood still speaks. And if his blood wasn't crying out on your behalf, you wouldn't be here. Don't get it twisted. It's not your goodness. It's not all of your assignments. It's not that you teach so good. It's not that you understand the kingdom now. It's not that you are so anointed that God overlooks you. Ah, uh-uh, his blood still speaks. <laughs> he told Israel, don't ever think you're so righteous that I won't come after you. It's because of the wickedness of the nations around you. The blood still speaks. You got to stay under the blood. You got to live right. You got to do right. You got to stay humble. Don't get so proud that you think we can do what we want and God don't see. Ah, there's still a sword in his hand. And according to Revelation, when he shows up, there's a sword in his mouth. You better stay under the blood. Because when we get full of ourselves, we start walking outside of covenant. We walk outside of mercy. We walk outside of truth because we start to make the assumption that God won't mess with us. A whole lot of dumb people died before you. But you got to stay under the blood. So as I've been studying nations, it's been amazing to me because what I've come to understand is there's always a prevailing lie. See, this prevailing lie that gets told when it's not a battle that is God breathed. So what do I mean by that? A prevailing lie requires that at least for two to four years before major conflict, there will always be a story, a lie, a miscommunication, misinformation that is loose to people and fed by media. Now, whoever the voices are of the day, if they back the lie, they back the lie for the purpose of power being controlled. Mm. Now, many people in media may not have known they were part of the lie, but the lie was released for the purpose of power changing hands. Now, this ain't a new tactic, because if you know your Bible, you understand that in the garden, the only way to change hands of authority was to whisper a lie. And the media of the day, a serpent in a tree, began to whisper misinformation to the only other seat of authority in position. And when the seat of authority swallowed the lie, the lie created a deception that caused an action that caused the loss of authority. So we then see that in nations, when they come to battle, we have a similar thing. Well, let's just start with the first family of creation. When we get out of the garden, we see Cain and Abel. Now, Cain, who was supposed to be the builder of cities, the first architect, the first maker of blueprints, the first designer of territories. He had a brother who was the first farmer, the first agricultural genius, the first maker of tents and all of the agriculture that would then go out. So God created two brothers who came from the same family who should they have worked together would have had a conglomerate that would have rebuilt the earth. So they would have finished what their mama and daddy dropped. But let's not get stuck there. Let's look at what the devil did. So the devil has whispered a lie. Now the lie got in the mama's head, Mm. but after it got in the mama's head, it got in the daddy's spirit. 
because she was deceived, but he sinned. Ah, you got to make that distinction whenever you look at the story. She was deceived. Deception requires that I somehow was taught wrong. Somebody told me wrong. Somebody communicated incorrectly. So miscommunication leads to opportunity for deception. Ah, okay. Now, I hope you're going with me because this is where we got to go now in the word. I, I need to tell you, I really have lost the place and left the place where I feel like telling everybody, you're going to be all right. Just clap your hands three times and run in a circle. I'm done with that. I'm done with the season of telling everybody, oh, put your hand in the middle of your back and lift up your head and just say it's going to be all right. No, 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 no. We're in trouble because where people lack knowledge, mm, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He didn't say lack of anointing. He didn't say lack of praise. He didn't say lack of power. He didn't say lack of unity. He said, my people are being ripped to shreds, destroyed, removed from the earth, dropped into coffins. Their season is over because they have lacked knowledge, the ability to understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So the enemy of God's people is ignorance. Your real enemy ain't just the devil. The devil been fighting the church since the inception of the church, and he hasn't won yet. The ability of the enemy to overcome you is not in his loudness. It's in your willing ignorance. If you stay dumb on purpose, you are destroyed by choice. So the nations go into battle because someone started a lie. Cain and Abel. God says to Cain, what's your problem with your brother? Your brother has done you no wrong. Your brother is taking care of the sheep. He got some fat cows over there. They making milk. He got sheep running around. They ain't hurting nobody. You're angry that I didn't receive your offering. Now, many people read that story and they go, it's because Cain had the wrong heart. No, it's not. Don't try to read into teaching what is not present in teaching. The Lord says, I can't receive it. Why? Because it ain't what I asked for. <laughs> when Adam and Eve show up in God's presence and they are full of sin, God says, who told you that you were naked? Uh, we talked to the serpent. God says, ah, okay, I got to cover you. So God in front of Adam and Eve was the first person to kill something. Man did not take life first. God did. God slew an animal. When he slew an animal, they saw death for the first time. They'd never seen death, had never heard nothing die had never seen nothing take its last breath. Now here is the God of life, the maker of all things, the one who put breath into the very animals and gave authority to Adam to name them. Adam named the very animal God had to kill on his behalf. 
Now you named it. Now I got to kill it. What was he saying? Everything under your authority has now been given connection to death because you stepped out of position. So now I've got to show you how to get back in position. How do I get you back in position? I've got to kill something. I've got to shed blood. And when the blood is shed, I'm going to cover your nakedness with the thing that was carrying blood. Ooh. Talking about Jesus from the very first act of mercy. Talking about Jesus at the foundation of the earth. He was talking about a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Even Adam and Eve got a taste of a savior that was coming because God in his mercy said, I got to show you my plan because your sin didn't overtake me. Your sin didn't surprise me. Written into the contract was a way for you to come back home. So I need you to understand that though your sin cries out against you, I got some blood that can cover. I got a son that can take your place. I got a new identity underneath this skin. Oh, I never lost you because I always included you in the story. <laughs> hey, so when they left the garden, I don't know what you've been doing for the last two weeks, but I've been talking to God. Yay! And, and in this story, Cain, that's why it's important you understand, Cain and Abel showed up same time. They were twins. Oh, you got to read your Bible. They were twins. The Bible says, and she bare. And then we get two names. Ah, oh, read your Bible. Now, so we get these two who show up together. And as they're growing together, they hear the same teaching. Now, here's the problem. Cain took on the bitterness of the loss. Abel took on the joy of the redemption. So Abel said, oh, the blood gets us back. Cain, because he was the tiller of the ground, all he could hear every time he worked the ground was cursed shall the ground be because of you. He took on the bitterness of what he thought he lost. So this bitter root started working in Cain. And what Cain was thinking all the time was all this should be mine without work. Because daddy told me we used to own all this, but we didn't have to till the ground. I'm working the ground because somebody sinned. Now, somebody sinned, but it wasn't my fault. So I'm in this position because of y'all. So the resentment grows. Now, here comes Abel. Abel's not tilling the ground. He's not working the ground. He's working with the animals. So while he's working with the animals, Cain goes, why am I the one that's got to break through the curse? 
So when you start thinking you deserve better than where you are, you start to put people underneath your position. So you see other people as your enemy because you have made yourself better than where you are. The problem with that is that is the condition of pride. So Cain stepped into pride. Abel. Abel wasn't trying to judge nobody. All Abel knew was we should all be dead. But blood gets us back. So I'm going to make sure we got enough animals. That whenever we got a sacrifice, we can sacrifice. Now, here's the problem. It never says in the story that Adam and Eve mistreated their boys. Never in there. There was nobody else around. So nobody beat them. Nobody hit him in the head. Nobody left them outside because there wasn't no outside. Outside requires an inside. There wasn't no cities yet built. <laughs> I mean, come on now. So they're all in the same atmosphere, which means what was the difference between Cain and Abel? The choice of what they let sit in their mind. You see, Thoughts will come to you, but what you let stay in your mind is a choice. Thoughts come. Meditation is a choice. What you sit and think about continually, that's a choice. It's a choice. You didn't have to get back home after being at work all day and start a fight with your wife as soon as you walked to the door. That's a choice. You thought all day about what you were going to say. You could have at any minute said, Lord, fix my heart. Get me right. When I walk in, I'm going to bless my wife. No, no, you want to be angry because anger lets you feel better than everybody else in your house. You've chosen sin to become your identity so you can justify your immorality. So when the spirit of Cain gets in you, you look for those who are worshipers, givers and blessers to subjugate them. I'm going somewhere. You look for opportunity to control because only in controlling others do you feel justified in not changing your heart. The only way you feel clean about making people feel less than you is to begin to tell yourself they serve your purpose in the earth. So now you've built a pride into your spirit, but you've created a level above others where you've created a culture within the kingdom where you demand that people serve you. Mm. So when Cain, who's meditated on a lie, sees that God is happy with Abel. He's got to get rid of my competition. Now, the problem is Abel wasn't his competition. Abel was his mirror. See, you don't know what's in you till you stand in front of a mirror. That's great. Your reflection. Abel was only Cain's reflection. You don't know what you could have done different till somebody who is just like you shows up and you look at him and go, well, you got peace and I don't have peace. How did you get it? You don't know that your kids are crazy 
until you meet Debbie Smith's children. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you want to meet four good people, you meet the Smith's children. One of the first times I had the privilege of meeting them, I remember going over to their house not long after I'd moved in. We were all eating together. And I said to them, I said, y'all got a good family. And they said, oh, yes. I said, no, 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 no. You got good family. And Debbie said, no, we know. Now, here's the thing. I have traveled for so many years and been in so many people's houses that I have discovered most people are crazy. <laughs> most people are verifiable, certifiable, need little white jackets, need a handful of pills. They need to be tied down once a month and shocked because they are legally, spiritually out of their mind. There are folk running in circles, think they run the straight line. And they will use scripture to celebrate their insanity. Oh, won't they do it? Oh, yes, they will. <laughs> yes, they will. And the amazing thing is when you get around stability, you have to celebrate it. And so one of the reasons why I love Debbie and Gary is because it's just who they are. And I, I asked them once, and, and I've heard her say this, so I'm going to say it. I asked them once, I said, how did you get your kids to turn out so good? Debbie said, well, we taught them the Bible and we beat them. <laughs> now, I love me some Debbie. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That is my joy. Because two things I love. I love the word and I enjoy whooping a child that's out of order. I know that's messing with some of y'all. Some of y'all want to write me letters. You want to be upset. Be as mad as you want to be. But let me tell you something. A good beating kept me out of jail. A good beating kept my mind right. A good whooping kept me from crawling up in the wrong bed and being in the wrong house. See, some of y'all don't understand. We're not talking about abuse, but we're talking about every now and then. You need to tenderize the backside of your child. Because you need to understand, if you don't help them, the world does not love them like you love them. And they're going to run into somebody one day who don't think they cute, who ain't going to tell them they wonderful. They're going to run into somebody one day and the mouth that makes you laugh will get them shot. So somebody need to love them enough to put some boundaries around them. Because I'd rather have a bruise on my backside than be in a coffin. So don't tell me you love your kids and you won't tell them no. Don't tell me you love your grandchildren and they walk all over you. Don't tell me that. That's a lie. You want to be their friend. They don't need a friend. They need help before the world gets a hold of them. Because when you visit them in jail that fifth time and you pull a needle out of their arm, remember you never told them no. So we've got this spirit that's been loose in the world, this Cain spirit, where we know what's right, but we won't do it. And instead of doing what's right, we fight the people that do what's right. The spirit of Cain. So this spirit of Cain, when it sets up in you, it requires you to make excuses 
for your immorality and your disobedience. Because Cain never owned his disobedience. So where are we going with that? We can run through the nations, but we're going to touch on a few things. My goodness. Yeah, we got to keep this series going because I'm barely scratching the surface. And whoo! when we talk about this, I said at the beginning, so you have to create a lie. So the devil starts a lie and he says to Eve, did God really say that? That led to an opportunity where Cain and Abel weren't there when God kicked them out of the garden. So I'm not sure what it's going to cost me. That's Cain's mentality. God, I hear you. But mom and daddy said you were going to kill them if they sinned. But mom and daddy's still here. They had us. So since I don't understand spiritual things, I judge from a natural perspective. So in Cain's mind, what could it really cost me? There's no garden to lose. What could it cost me? God told me to do what's right, but what could it cost me? So I'm just going to do what I want to do. So he kills his brother. Hmm. I've got to kill the one that has favor on the land. I've got to remove the rightful owner of the territory so that I can be justified in wanting ownership outside of God's permission. Every major war is boiled down to the simplicity of because I didn't want to do it God's way, I must create a conflict so that I can remove those on the land so that I can own the land so that I can get the good out of the land. And whether it was slavery Genocide, the Ukraine, or Israel. When nations decide to wage war for the purpose of removing from a territory the people who God has allowed to have it, there must be a lie in the air first created to create division among the people so that there can then be bloodshed with excuse. I hope somebody's listening. And we have allowed ourselves to be weaved, spun by lies so that the people of God never stood back long enough to discern. So now let's jump to where we are today. Never forget that in World War I and in World War II, there was a series of lies that were spread to the nations first before war ever happened. I want to just go on a quick journey. This won't take long. Everybody talks about communism, but before there was communism, there was something at the root called fascism. Now, fascism is a doctrine and a mindset or an ideology where it literally means the state is all. Nothing for the individual, the state is all. That's what it means at the root. Communism means all produced for country. 
but it requires that there is no teaching of God, no teaching of freedom, and it means everything is swallowed up under the banner of patriotic fervor to this land. It is the communist zeal. The fascist ideology is the state is all, all for the state. That is where you have Mussolini and people like him who go back in history. Then you also have Nazism. Now what Nazism is, Nazism is simply the celebration of a color or culture as being those created by God above all other races and cultures. Therefore, all other races and cultures must serve this one. Okay. When you look at all of these, they all tie into each other in some way. But let's just touch on fascism for a moment. Fascism is really what we're seeing creep through the earth right now. Fascism is what gives power to dictators. Communism is the rule of country. It takes on an entire people. And though Russia is communist, what you're seeing now is the action of a dictator. Putin rules a nation. Because he rules a nation, he then creates the media they will hear. There are no newspapers. There are no other media outlets in Russia right now giving the other side of the story. There was this wonderful woman the other day who went live on air and holds up a sign that says they're lying to you. The war is real. And they snatched her off the air. And to this day, they don't know where she is. Now, she was one of the state owned media voices, but she had a conscience and her conscience said they are murdering folks in the Ukraine. And my own people, she's Russian. My own people don't have access to the Internet and to other media. So they don't know they're being lied to. So I got to tell them it's a lie. And the moment she exposed truth, the system snatched her off the scene. And now they're sentencing people who are telling the truth to 15 years in jail. You better hear what I'm saying. Now, why am I going after this? Some of y'all are listening going, I don't understand this. This is biblical. If you don't understand this is biblical, you don't know your word. This is not a political tirade I'm on. This is a political moment, but it is a spiritual truth. It is spiritual because when the Christians in the land do not understand what's happening in governments and do not prepare themselves to pray and to take a stand, then we end up having World War II's where we see millions of Jews get executed and we finally wake up and go, oh God, you have to understand something. The blood of the Jews fell to the hands of the Christians. It is Christians that were responsible, not because they killed them, because they said nothing. Because we keep our mouth shut and go to church on Sunday like the whole world is good just because it ain't hit our house yet. And then when our children have to die because we stayed quiet too long, we act shocked. Oh, God, why is this happening? Because we act ignorant when we should be talking. And as long as the Holy Ghost talks to me, I'm going to talk to you. Because the Lord said to me, Michael, don't you sit by quiet. This can't happen again. 
So I'm going to tell you what I know. There's enough power in the church that if we pray right, we can shut some stuff down. If we pray right, God can snatch Putin. He can either snatch his heart back where it needs to be or take him up out the earth. I don't care which one. All I know is if the church will be the church, nations got to bow. And somewhere we got to stop bowing our head to devils and calling on God in secret. Daniel opened up the window at the threat of his life and said, God is for me. Let me pray with power. It's time for us to pray like we got faith. It's time for us to stand like we believe God. I will not die and go to heaven and God tell me 10,000 Jews died while you sat silent. Not on my watch. I'm not going to heaven and God say to me a thousand children were murdered in the streets while you sat quiet and watched the news. Not on my watch. As long as I got breath and the fire of God in my belly, I'm going to pray and say. Because somewhere the church lost its voice because we decided we needed people to like us so that we could get their favor to do stuff God ain't even in. Oh, no. I intend to serve him till I die. I intend to stand for him till my last breath. I'm going to speak like a man of God and roar like a lion. The wicked flee when no man pursues them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We need some people of God to take a stand again. We need some Billy Sundays who stood up in the middle of Chicago and said there'll be no more wickedness while I am here. We need some Alexander Dowies who told the mafia, you will not control this city for I'll pray you out of every street. We need some women of God like the mighty woman of God, oh, Catherine Kuhlman who took a stand and said, those men who have abused women, if they on the platform, I'll not preach again in this place. And they made every man get off the platform. Where are the people who stand for righteousness? Where are the folk who risk their reputation to do what's holy, not comfortable, what's holy? Oh, I'm sick of excuses. Somebody gotta do what's right. Take a stand or sit down, but get out of the way. The season is over for capitulation. I cannot sleep for seeing children dying. I'm calling on the name of the God of heaven. I'm not watching it like it's just a news. Somebody's dying. And we have in church. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. I'm not going to sit around quiet while we talk about will we have to send somebody else's children to die. No, let's pray this thing down. Before we send some more good children to die on a battlefield. No, no. The God who makes the wind and the waves still fights by the heavens. He still owns tornadoes and lightning bolts are still under the throne. He can still make the earthquake and make nations sit down. He can still make a heartbeat and make it go quiet. The Bible says he raises up kings and tears them down. I need that God to fight for me. I need that God to stand up for the Ukraine. I need that God, the God of all flesh. Show up, God. Fight for the Ukraine. Fight for the believer. Fight for them that call on your name. Oh, in the name 
of Jesus. We call on your name. Lord, we believe you. You are a strong arm and a mighty hand. God, we believe you. You still answer by fire. God, we believe you. You still cause the winds to carry your name. I call on your name, Jesus. I call on your power. I call on your ingenuity and your wisdom. I ask you, God, reveal the battle plans of the enemy. Show it in the people. Cause it to be revealed. I ask in the name of Jesus that every Christian soldier in Russia would wake up and say, this ain't God. I can't do it another day. I ask in the name of Jesus for a Holy Ghost revolt and rebellion. I ask in the name of Jesus as you spoke to Caesar, as you spoke to Agrippa, God speak to Putin, speak to the inner circle. I ask God that you turn them against each other. I ask God that you bring it down before most innocent lives are lost. I ask God that you answer from heaven in the name of Jesus. God Almighty, you are God and we are not. You are king and they are not. You gave birth to every soldier. You put breath in their lungs. You gave ingenuity. That's how they made weapons. God, you are smarter than the scientists. You are wiser than the makers of war. We ask for your wisdom and your power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hey, God, we bless you. God, we bless you. God, we bless you. God, we bless you. Every unholy alliance, every unholy covenant, every work of witchcraft behind the scenes, we call it down. We cast it down. We ask you to expose it in the name of Jesus. Oh, Hey, God, we ask you, cover them in your blood. Loose your blood. Let the blood of Jesus cover the Christians in Ukraine. Let the blood of Jesus cover the Christians in Russia. Let the blood be loosed all over again. Oh, God. Oh God, yes Lord, I feel your glory, Lord in one night you loosed an angel and in one night 186,000 were slain in a night. God, we don't want nobody to die. We pray for mercy. But God, you still got angels that make armies bow. You still got angels that make nations bow their knee. In a night, you can end the conflict. We ask you, God, loose them angels from your presence. We ask you, God, make nations bow and armies retreat. We ask you, God, bring an end to what man is doing. 
Oh, Jesus. God, we bless you. Lord, some have even put out and said, this is your plan. God, nowhere in the Bible have you ever said the murder of innocence was on your mind. Nowhere have you ever sent a prophetic word that said you wanted to slaughter anybody. So God, right now, we rebuke every false prophetic word that's gone into the atmosphere, that sullies your name, that pulls your kingdom in the wrong direction. We break it and we cast it down. We reject it. In the name of Jesus. Oh God. Lord, your church gets confused when we get lied to. But right now I ask, silence the mouth of false prophets and open the mouth of the true seers. Let your word go out. Let truth be heard. Let your people come back to righteousness. Let us do what is right, not convenient. Oh God. It shall not work. It shall not work. It shall not work. Yet no I declare in the name of Jesus, we speak now over every radiological facility carrying radioactive material. In the name of Jesus, it shall not work. We speak confinement and containment. It shall not. I hear your Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, what the enemy has planned shall not come to pass. We command in Jesus' name, shut it down. Shut it down. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. Hey, God. I ask you, God. Let teams from nations, special forces, teams from countries we don't even know about that's working their way into countries. Let them work their way in and shut down facilities. Yeah, I hear you, God. Yes, I thank you. What the enemy has planned shall not work. Yes, Lord. And Europe shall not be held hostage. I hear you, Holy Ghost. Europe shall not be held hostage. Oh, God, I thank you. You're working right now. Europe shall not be held hostage. One man will not threaten nations. I hear you, God. In the name of Jesus, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. Yes, God. Oh Lord, we give you glory, we give you praise. Ain't nobody greater than you, God. Don't nobody have more power than your name. Ain't no throne above your throne. Oh God, men talk loud, but all men die. We call on your name, God. Hey, we bless you. Oh, Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Hey. Oh, yes. Hitler raged, but he's in hell right now. Mussolini spoke, but he died like a man. 
God, only your name has stood the test of time. Only your throne is immovable. Only your cross has never been broken. We thank you, Lord, for a kingdom undivided. We thank you, Lord, for rule undiminished. Lord, we remind ourselves that you are God above the noise of the world. And we bless you. And we bless you. And we thank you. Oh, yes. You're in charge. <laughs> hey, you're in charge. Yes, you're in charge. Oh, yes. God, I thank you. I thank you. You're turning it. I thank you. It's in your hand. And we bless you. And we trust you. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, you're a mighty God. Ooh. I don't know about you. Oh, yes. Mm. Hey, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> hey. Oh, yes. We got so much teaching we still got to get into. And we're going to get into it. We're going to get next week. We're going to keep teaching. But listen to me. Understand, you got more power, five minutes of real prayer in your house than five hours of listening to the news. You got more authority in your belly than all the politicians in Washington, D.C. You don't need a senator, a representative and a governor to carry your case. You need God to lean in your direction. And if God say yes, there ain't a man that can say no. You got to understand if God fights for you, what can man do unto me? If God fights for you, you've got to get your mind back, get your spirit back. You've got to understand God has lost no battles. Stand in the power of his name. Shake yourself. Get that political spirit off of you. Get that mess off your mind. Stop sitting there arguing about what well, somebody said to Ukraine is this and Russia is that. Don't believe no lies. Life is simple. If we're not fighting over God's spoken truth, then it's a lie. It's that simple. And I want to say this to some of y'all. So, listen, I love the saints, but I love some of y'all, but God forgive me. Some of y'all is dumb as a box of rocks because you still believe in people's lives. Now, hear what I'm about to say, and I'm going to say this clear faced, and I want you to understand I'm saying it. The same folk that lied to you and said Trump was going to be back in the White House. The same folk that lied to you and told you in April. He was going to be back president after Biden was elected. Is the same people now telling you that Putin is in the right to be attacking Ukraine. The same lying voices. And you picking up a lie from the same folk that lied to you for years. And now you act confused. No, you're not confused because there's something in your spirit you won't admit to. There is a judgment you've taken up against truth. You've decided that you don't like some folk. And because you don't like them, whether it's the color of their skin, 
This is stuff I ain't said, but let's be real. Some of y'all, the reason you were so good to prophesy against Biden and prophesy for Trump because you didn't like the fact that Obama was black and you got a little racism still hiding in you and nobody called it to the surface. I'm tired of us acting like we don't know what's true. Some folk don't like the fact that there's Jewish people involved in issues and you still got an issue in your heart about Jews and you say you a good believer, but in your core, you can't stand Jews. You don't like Jews. You still blaming Jews for your problems. And so that thing is hiding in you, but you a good Southern believer, but you don't like Jews. How can you not like a Jew? And Jesus is a Jew, not was a Jew, is a Jew. Somewhere we got to tell the truth. And we have acted like folk are just hearing wrong. They're not hearing wrong. They're prophesying wrong on purpose because they have found an audience that won't correct them. And the Bible says the only way you believe a lie is because a lie is in you. Now, that's the book. The Bible says if you are Holy Ghost filled, it is impossible for you to believe a lie. Unless you've let a lie live in you. So it's time for us to start telling the truth. And the truth is, because I got a lie in me, I still like lies. See, when you really get free, people can't lie to you. Have you ever noticed when somebody come to you, these Holy Ghost filled folks in this room, when somebody come to you inside of here, you feel uneasy. You just know they ain't telling me the truth. That's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost lets you know that's called discernment. But that's because you got enough truth in you that a lie can't rest on you. When we've got so many people who just listen to lies, it's clear to me they don't like truth. If you love a lie, truth will never rest in you. So for all them that love lies, tonight wasn't for you no way. This ain't aimed at you. I'm not concerned if you like me. I'm not going after you. I'm not trying to persuade you to join my page and be my friend. You like a lie, keep chewing on lies till you get sick of lies. Because eventually you'll get sick of the lie. Because them that tell lies don't have favorites. Eventually they gonna start lying about you. You see, the only reason the world woke up to Nazism and to fascism, which I'm going to teach on in depth next week. The only reason the world woke up was not because the world had a conscience. You got to understand history. Everybody looks back and says, oh, America ran to help Europe because of Nazism, because of what was going on. That's not what happened. For five years, they asked America for help. For five years, Jews were being killed. For five years, people were being slaughtered. Five years. And this country said, no, we can't because it's not in our interest. Because we don't want to get pulled into that war. It's just the Jews of Europe. That's what was being said. You got to know your history. So we watched reports of people dying and said it was awful. And they had debates in Congress. And Churchill cried for help. He wrote letter after letter, sent cable after cable. 
Help us. This will come to your shores. It wasn't until those crazy, angry Japanese pilots decided to head to Hawaii. And when they bombed us, the sudden revelation of, oh, they close enough to come for us, too. That's when we suddenly woke up and said, let's send help. Five years. We talked about them dying. Five years. You don't think God remembers? All the blood we let pour while we counted our money and hid in our churches. Saints, we can't do that again. God won't let us. This is the season where the church has to be the church for real. We're not waiting for some other word. We don't need another revelation. I don't need 10 reasons to dislike what Russia's doing. It's real simple. You're killing folks who've done you no wrong. That's enough for me. And I'm going to say this last piece. You know, I, I'm living in a danger zone lately, but it's good. <laughs> My friends, we have got to become honest and honesty creates honor. You cannot have honor without honesty. We as the people of God cannot demand that the rest of the world accept the truth of Jesus and walk in the revelation of Christ if we don't actually live it. The simplicity of living is we come down to the simple truth. The Bible says God hates an unjust balance. I don't know if everybody understands that, but let me tell you what that means. Real simple. God hates an unjust balance. It means God despises when you value one person more than another. When you decide they're worth saving, but they are not. Let's run to rescue England, but let the Ukraine burn. Let's make sure we help Canada, but let them Mexicans die. It's an unjust balance. And I don't care how much scripture you know, and I don't care how much you say it's about protecting this border and that border. All your friends who come from Canada and hang out for the summer, you got no problem if 10,000 of them show up and fill every street. We couldn't even get out the airport for all them Canadians hanging out the other day. I'm serious. And it crossed nobody's mind that the streets were full of Canadians. But let 30 Mexicans show up. And everybody want to know why they standing around and how come they ain't going somewhere. Oh, this is uncomfortable stuff. Folk don't talk about this. But I just don't have a choice. He's been talking to me saying everything I've told you, I'm going to bring to pass. But you don't be quiet for one minute if I tell you to talk. Saints, somewhere in here, we got to get honest. There's some folk we just don't like and we're not admitting it. And because we won't admit it, he can't change our heart. And because he can't change our heart, we're not able to love. And the lack of love has infected the church. 
so that when we have moments where the nations are burning, when we should be praying for them, we're not even saying anything because the truth is we don't like them. We got to get God's heart again. Because revival begins when you're willing to die for those you don't know. That's when revival starts. Revival is not that you had a service that went for 12 hours. Revival is not that a couple of folks got healed. That's not revival. That's supposed to be normal church. I'm shocked that we all shocked that God did something. I'm shocked when he don't. Revival is when you are willing to die for those you do not know. For when I was lost and in sin, Christ died for me. He died for the ungodly. If a righteous man die for a righteous man, what is this? But if a righteous man die for the unrighteous, oh, now that is love. We have forgotten the simplicity of what this gospel is about. This gospel is not about us rescuing friends. This gospel is about us rescuing enemies. He died for me while I was his enemy. (laughs) He sent them to preach two by two to enemies, knowing they would kill them, knowing they would hang them upside down, knowing they would saw their children asunder. God visited them in dreams and visions and said, will you go for me? And they left all to carry a gospel to lands that would kill them. And they died with joy, serving the call of the master. My friends, we have so departed from the simplicity of what the gospel is about that we actually think we're doing God's service by blowing up infidels and killing unbelievers and putting them in the ground because they don't believe our God like we do. Let's just get rid of them. Wow. You never met him then. You hadn't met him. You met religion, but you hadn't met God because he died for the ungodly. He died for them. His blood was shed for Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, agnostic, Hindu, Sikh. His blood was shed for the wise, the foolish, the unknowing and unbelieving. His blood was shed for the healthy and the crippled, for the rich and the poor. His blood was shed for the black man, the white man, the Native American. His blood was shed for the Latino, the Asian, the African, the Islander. His blood was shed for all mankind. There is no unjust balance in heaven. He sees the heart. He looks not on the outward appearance as man sees, but he sees the heart. And oh, saints, please stop looking at the news and seeing the outside of people and choosing by the outside who you will pray for, who you will stand for and what you will say. In doing so, you have proved that you are far from him. You might know him, but you ain't been with him in a while. Because if you've ever been with him, he'll get on you. And if he gets on you, you start loving everybody. Oh, and by this shall all men know 
that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Uh, there's a preacher that we know, I'm getting ready to close with this. There's a preacher that we know that said to a pastor friend of mine once, you know, you teach love too much. <laughs> and that might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard a preacher say. And I'm saying that on public and I'm saying that on purpose. It's a foolish thing to think that love can ever be too much. In this world we live in, where parents murder children, where children cut themselves, where people sell drugs to nine-year-olds, where we let everybody marry except a man and a woman, where we tell everybody who preaches truth they're too harsh, and we tell everybody who's lost, you're just right. In a world like this, if there's anything we need, we need to know we are loved by God and love can heal a heart. Oh, my God. I know my assignment and I'm going to do it till my last breath. I hope you know yours. And if you don't, let me give you a hint. Love them. Find whoever you hadn't been able to love and love them. Find whoever you don't like and bless them. Bless somebody who you feel like doesn't deserve it. And then remember, when we're praying and we're declaring, everybody in this needs God's help. I'm praying for the Russian people as much as I'm praying for Ukraine. Because all those sweet Russian folks who I love Russia, who they've been lied to, they don't know. And many of those good Russian people are trying to just stay alive because they have been in the military and in the military, many of them might be believers, but they know if they stand up right now, they're going to get shot for disobeying an order. And so we're praying, oh, God, rescue them. So we got to cover all sides. But as far as Putin and his game, this ain't a mistake. This ain't misinformation. This is a continued plan that he has had demonically inspired his whole life that he wanted to do. So you've got to understand, pray for Russia and the Russian people. But when I'm praying for Putin, it's real simple. God change his heart or take him out of here. Yeah. Now, I know you can't pray like that. I didn't ask you to, but I know I can. <laughs> That's you. Some of y'all been taught, you know, all these sweet prayers is the only prayers you can pray. <laughs> pray your sweet prayer. Stay in your church with your locked door. But for us who understand that lives need intervention, and see, it's a choice. I want Putin to be in heaven. I want him saved. But that's between him and God. And so whatever happens first, I'm okay. Lord, save him or take him out. But for the sake of souls, let it come to pass. Yes, Lord. And for those of you that don't pray that way, don't waste your time writing me a text or an email. I am unmoved and unshaken. 
I know what God told me. So we bless you. We love you. We pray God's peace, his joy, his strength be upon you. We pray that God would rain heaven down on you. We also ask that you would walk in the goodness of God to all those around you and that they would see the kingdom in your eyes and they would know the love of God through your actions. The Lord be with you. The Lord keep you and the Lord bless you.